True North Nerd 100th Episode Spectacular. And now your hosts, the True North Nerds. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 100 of True North Nerds. See, I waited. I didn't interrupt you that time. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we're going to... uh, do something a little different. We are going to cover the news as per usual, but then it's going to be a a, a, a lot of slapping ourselves on the back. Nope. <laughs> and, no one else will. And uh, we're also going to have some interviews from uh, some friends of the show and uh, I, a couple people who have been on before and a couple people who will be on this episode for the first time, but have been very supportive of us in the past. So before we get to everything, uh, Ryan is here. That's just, I'm here. Sorry, I've been drinking beer. Kevin is here. (laughs) Yes, I am. Hello. Jen is here. Howdy. (laughs) And... It wouldn't be episode 100 without this man who is the, he was not one of the main four, but he is definitely the fifth beetle. He is the. Oh my God, you got the rock? No. Ah. Did I? You will have to pay attention to the episode in order to find out. Our fifth beetle, Mr. Ed Campbell, Snowhawk Cosplay. Yeah. I'm the Stuart Sutcliffe of the True North Nerds. Better than the Pete Best. Well, <laughs> imagine how Pete Best's life could have been if different if he was good. <laughs> so we're going to cover the news and go through some interviews and talk about some memories of shows past. But first, the news. Ryan, what do you got for us this week? What do I got? What do I got? What do I got? Uh, okay, here. Uh, let's start with we got Doctor Who special news. Ooh. So our, our our holiday special this year is called The Revolution of the Daleks. Uh, we haven't been given an actual release date. It's just been saying late 2020 or early 2021, which makes me think it might be a New Year's Day release. Mm. Uh, and it was revealed that Captain Jack is going to be in uh, part of it. He's going to be in this episode. So we'll finally Yay. get to see the new Doctor meet Captain Jack. Awesome. I love Captain Jack. Because she didn't actually run into him during the episode he was in this season, did she? No. Just his uh, 
I guess her sorry her uh, companions did. Yeah, we haven't. We're still way behind. Yeah, I don't know. Have we missed two seasons now, or are we still just behind on one season? Uh, have you watched yeah. any Jodie Whittaker? Yeah, we watched like the first couple episodes. Then you're about a season and a half behind. Uh, okay. Maybe that's what we uh, have it we'll, on Blu-ray. I just yeah. haven't watched it yet. Maybe that's what we'll do New Year's Day, Jen. Ooh, binge fest. Yeah, because the Lord knows we aren't going to be doing a heck of a lot else. <laughs> that's true. Do you really do much on New Year's Day, though? Well, not no. really, to be yeah. fair. New Year's so, Eve is oh. different. <laughs> we don't do much on New Year's Eve, either. <laughs> New Year's Day is my sister's birthday, so we always have a birthday dinner. Yeah. Hey, it's my sister's birthday, too. Whoa, we're like twinsies. <laughs> With different I, I, sisters. I won't with go the same into birthday. yeah. It's, I won't go into how you're you're not. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone would know, it would be Brent. It could be fraternal twinsies. Anyways, Ryan, next. <laughs> uh, so the next uh, chapter in the Netflix exclusive uh, Transformers cartoon series uh, has a release date. Uh, it will be released on December thirtieth. So for those of you that watched the first chapter, like myself, now you can watch the second chapter. Do I have to? No, no. you don't have to this time. Unless you review Yay. it. You have to review it. I didn't love the first one. chapter. Or for Cybertron Part 2. If, if you guys tell me it's good, maybe I'll go watch it. But I did not care for the first the first part. No, me neither. If the My Little Ponies show up in it, then I will totally watch it. <laughs> Next. Next. Uh, so we've got a new awards show coming our way in the new year. Pardon me. The Critics' Choice Super Awards. We'll be honoring su- superhero science fiction fantasy, horror, action, and animation movies and series. And it will, sh- and it will uh, be on the CW on January 10th. And it's hosted by Kevin Smith and Danny Fernandez. So here's a couple sample categories. So we've got Best Animated Series, uh, and the nominees are Archer, BoJack Horseman, Big Mouth, Central Park, Harley Quinn, Rick and Morty, and Star Trek Lower Decks. Hmm. All good choices. I choose Harley Quinn. I like some of those. I love Lower Decks. It is a lot of fun. I I keep meaning to watch the rest of it. We've watched a couple episodes of it. Uh, there's a uh, best superhero series, uh, The Boys, Legends of Tomorrow, Doom Patrol, The Flash, Lucifer, or Umbrella Academy. Where's oh Watchmen? yeah, I also got to watch Umbrella Academy. The I don't um, think Watchmen quality is. I don't know if it, it was in under superheroes. It well, may be no, in here somewhere else. It's but. not because they're um they're it's it's about the time that it was released. The um the. The the year end and beginning is January 1st of 2020 to December 31st of 2020. Oh. So Watchmen falls outside the um, outside the um, the the, uh, the oh, time the for that. Yeah. Oh, OK. Which is interesting because if you look at some of the movie um, nominations, some movies haven't even been released yet and they've been nominated. Mm-hmm. Like Soul is up for best animated movie and that doesn't come out until um until christmas day and yet wonder woman 1984 is not nominated and it also comes out before the end of the year so i don't know 
I don't know exactly how they made their choices, but uh, it's interesting. Maybe when they made their choices, uh, the Wonder Woman release date hadn't been announced yet. Yeah, or maybe the know. critics hadn't received screeners. Like, maybe they already have screeners for Soul. Yeah. yeah. Now, one of the things that's interesting, too, is the some of the superhero categories uh, include animated, live-action, and comic book stories. Huh. Mm. So like in the best superhero movie, you got Birds of Prey, The Old Guard, Secret Society of Secondborn Royals, Sonic the Hedgehog, and Superman Man of Tomorrow, which was an animated Warner Brothers animated feature. Well, it was a feature, it was like probably like a 90-minute cartoon. I have to assume that when they created this category, they assumed that Black Widow would be in this list and whatever the next Marvel film was supposed to be this fall, Eternals, I guess. You know, and they had to scramble to find five movies to fill this category. Um, yeah, maybe. But uh, yeah, so that'll be something you know, interesting for us to talk about in January. Yes. Yep. Uh, oh, so we got some more news. We got some Wonder Woman eighty four news. Uh, it's been announced that uh, in the at least in the U.S., it will be airing on HBO Max the same day as its theatrical release. So Christmas mm. Day, uh, if you have HBO Max, you'll be able to watch Wonder Woman 84. Uh, from cool. all reports up here in Canada, though, it, it will be coming to Crave, but not until after its theatrical run. Interesting. Hmm. I checked Cineplex today to see if Wonder Woman 1984 was listed. Because, you know, it's that time of year. They, they You would think that they, you could pre-buy tickets. Um, it looks like all the local movie theaters are closed again. Um, you can't oh. buy tickets for anything in Barrie or Aurelia right now. Um, the, the closest movie theater that appears to be open is in Peterborough. Oh, wow. I think that's because we're orange level right now. The could color be. levels. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, who knows when we're going to get to see Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a happy story to follow that up with, Ryan? Uh, (laughs) I've got one. Yes. The Expanse has been renewed for a sixth and final season. Yeah, so you just jumped like two two. I knew, I know, I wanted to have a good news story. So they haven't even released season five yet. That's my show. Uh, well, I love it too. <laughs> That's my show. You have Star Trek. <laughs> and okay, well then go ahead. No, no, no. Tell us all about. I'm going to drink my beer. Episode 100, the, the episode where Ryan and <laughs> and Kevin stop talking to one another. <laughs> <laughs> there is one caveat, though. Uh, the actor Kaz Anvar, uh, who plays Alex, is not coming back to the show. He will be written off the show. Um, there were some issues with him uh, in the past. So he's in season five. It's too late to get rid of him in season five, but uh, he will not be invited back for season six. Yeah, so six seasons is a good amount, though. I, 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 I think for a lot of shows, it's it's after five or six is where the quality sort of starts going down. So mm-hmm. What will be interesting to see... Well. Sorry, let me try that again. You know, words are tough. It'll be interesting to see how they manage to fit the rest of the books, because I believe there's uh, um, the my book pile is somewhere around here. There's eight of them all together. All uh, when everything's uh, said and done, like the final book is coming out uh, this year, I think, or this spring. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they fit uh, 
at this point, I think after season five, there's still like two or three books. So yeah, they'll probably just have a different they... ending. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's written by the uh, same author. The authors of the book series are writers on the uh, the staff of the show. Oh, that's so, good. Yeah. Yeah. So it might be different, but probably similar. Yeah, it won't just be like, disapp- hopefully it won't be disappointing. Yeah, but it'll, it'll just be different. Like, that's how the show has been too. Like, there's been a few things that they've changed along the way, yeah. uh, that they have either decided, you know, after the first couple seasons and the way the fans reacted to the books and the show, they started to change maybe somehow that some of the characters were mm. to, you know, that became you know if they became more of a fan favorite, then they got a bigger part. But I love the show, so I'll be happy. It's going weekly, though, which will be tough. I like binging that one. Well, they're dropping three <laughs> episodes the first week, and then it'll be yeah. weekly after that. I like I like it paced out nicely. I'm ex- I'm glad that it's it's not weekly. I I don't feel like I have to watch the whole thing in a binge in a weekend. <laughs> I don't. Who has time for that? I guess just Ryan. Yep. <laughs> Me. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> Next. Next. Uh, Universal's reached an agreement uh, that will see its movies hit video on demand markets as soon as 17 days after the theatrical release date. Wow. So, yeah, you know, that's one thing I guess uh, we're going to see coming out of uh, out of COVID between the uh, the streaming wars and COVID. Our theatrical runs are going to get shorter and shorter. Depending on how much money. Yeah, they're I don't... yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, Wonder Woman... Man. A stinker, you know, like if a, if it's a stinker in theater, it might as well come straight to video on demand. Wonder yeah, Woman's two, coming out the same day, right? Two weeks isn't a lot of time to judge if it's a stinker or not, in my opinion, because there's a lot of movies that I want to see that I just don't have time to see in the first two weeks it's been released. Yeah, but you also aren't handling the accounts for big film studios either. That's here. true. Yeah, because nowadays, if they don't make their money back in the first two weeks, then usually it's considered a failure. Yeah, which yeah. is stupid in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. uh, like Justice League is one of those examples that they're like, oh, well, it didn't make it all this money on its first week that they had expected it to. And I'm like, yeah, but it still made a profit. It Like, yeah. a shit ton of profit. So, but it, like it, yeah. and it's one of those things that they point to is it, the problem is is now everything goes to Avengers metrics and I yeah. don't think that's fair no. like to any movie yeah but what was the last movie that you remember got momentum a month or three weeks after it was in theaters like the last one I can remember that actually picked up steam was Gladiator like in 2000, when Gladiator came out, and the first two weeks, well, nobody cared. And then that was about, a good movie. About three weeks it was in theater, then everyone started picking up on Gladiator on how great of a movie it was. Because I yeah, saw yeah. it, I saw it like opening night, and I loved it. And I'm trying to convince people, look, you got to see this movie. It's it's like the best movie of the year. Mm. And, and I think that's what it is. It's, like, it's word of mouth. Yeah, and it took three weeks before people finally to discover Gladiator. And yeah. Yeah, it stuck around forever in theaters. So, yeah, it, it, slightly different time period, but yeah, that's that's one of them. I would say the most recent one that I can think of now. This is also a little bit different. Is uh, Parasite because mm-hmm. it started getting all that Oscar buzz, so more North American theaters started opening it up and people were going to see it. But it, that's all. That's also like kind of a different case in a lot of respects. 
then there was also like a movie like Black Panther, which, um, you know, reached a market that isn't normally serviced. So it it stayed around in theaters for a whole lot longer than um, I think anybody ever expected it to. Uh, it was still playing in theaters down in the Atlanta area in August. Like I was down mm-hmm. in the office and it was still playing. It was still playing at several theaters down in, in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was like, wow, I didn't expect it to be still like six, seven months later, still playing. Exactly. And, and still packing a theater. Yeah. yeah. Next. Next. Well, so this kind of rolls into that conference uh, from that conversation. The other way these movies tend to make their big money uh, is if they can get a China run. Mm. And so there's a story, actually, this one's hot off the presses, uh, just saw this one today. Uh, there's uh, stories going around that Godzilla vs. Kong could be coming to us uh, via streaming instead of theatrical run in 2021. Uh, apparently Netflix has already offered $200 million for the rights uh, to air, to, to, air you know, to have the streaming rights for the movie. Um, and Warner, which would be a good deal because Netflix doesn't have a China presence. Mm-hmm. So they'd still be able to have a theatrical run in China, which it's, you know, so Godzilla, King Kong, these movies did well in, in, over there. I think that's probably, well, part of the reason why we are still getting a Kong versus Godzilla. So Godzilla 2 didn't really do as well as hoped. But uh, the other, I guess, person in the bidding, though, is Warner's themselves, because it's a Warner Touchstone movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're thinking of keeping it for themselves uh, for HBO uh, HBO Max. Max. And uh, and just putting it there as a stream on their streaming to uh, try to drive, um, you know, uh, uh, subscriptions. If, the, if Kong versus Godzilla is Skull Island quality, then I'll be sad it doesn't come to theater. If it's like the first Godzilla movie, I could probably pass on it. I do like the first Godzilla and I do like King of the Monsters, but they're not Skull Island. Like Skull Island is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think either way for me, that's that's definitely a movie that I want to see on the big screen. But at the same time, is depending on how things are at that point, I might not have a choice regardless. It's I, part of me also wonders if there's a caveat in in any of these deals, like you know, say we we've all heard that vaccines are on its way, but who knows how effective they actually are going to be in practice, and how long it's going to take before I wouldn't say normal, but better than it was, so we can all go to movie theaters again. Boy, before mm-hmm. it's yeah, widespread. And, uh... Spread out widely, right? So yeah. So I'm wondering if any of these movies where they're making these deals have the caveat that, like, in the off chance that people are in theaters in droves again, we reserve the right to put this back out in theaters because that that's designed for the big screen experience, right? And then, yeah. like, I would say Tenet's probably one of those ones that if if people are going back into theaters, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets like a re-release. Well, why why not? Like, even if it is on streaming, like HBO Max or Netflix, they could always still put on the big screen. Mm. You know, like, whatever money it's going to generate is still... Because there are people who don't have those platforms. I'm one of them. Yeah. I, don't have yeah. I don't have Disney+. Plus, So, 
you know, if there's a movie I really want to see, I will go to a theater to go see it. So. Yeah. Yeah, but if I'm Netflix and I'm buying, I'm, I'm paying two hundred million plus dollars yeah, that, for the, the rights to play, you know, to have it first. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm either. I'm either getting a discount back on my money, or no, it's not going in theaters at all, mm. or I'm getting a piece of that action. Yeah. Like there's going to have to be something in that contract. Brought to you yeah. by Netflix. Yeah. So <laughs> some of the theater gross goes back to whatever it was Netflix paid them. It, it it's interesting like we're gonna see well we've got what two three stories about that right now in like that we've done already and there there's rumors that like people have seen the the dates for black widow going up on disney plus being leaked is we're gonna see more and more of this over the next couple months for sure i would rather just push wait until it gets a theatrical run i can wait yeah, the the yeah. problem with the mouses is they're bleeding money, and they need to make it any way they can. Mm-hmm. So it's that that's where Disney Plus comes in. Is unfortunately is that it's got to make up for what they're losing at the parks and everything else. All right, next, Ryan. That's it for me. This light light news week. Light news week. Well, I've got something that I can circle back to what Kevin said about uh, the theaters. Just looking on my Cineplex app here. There are tickets available in Barry. Oh, for, uh, maybe that's changed since this afternoon. Oh no, see here it is. You actually can buy the screen. Oh. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. So looking here, you can get you can get a whole screen to yourself for Freaky, The Croods, War with Grandpa, uh, and a bunch of Christmas movies like Christmas Story, Christmas Vacation, Elf, Wonderful Life. And the prices range from 125 to 199 to have the theater all to yourself. And you are allowed up to 20 people. Yeah, that's not a bad way to do it. Yeah. Although none of those movies sounded appealing. No. Oh, Freaky, I think, looks looks like a lot of fun to me. Freaky looks good, but I don't think I'd want to spend 199 to get it. No. But if, if we could get a True North Nerds private screening of Wonder Woman 84 for 199 bucks. <laughs> yeah, that's... That might be something we should look into because I there's agree. enough people in our bubbles that we could probably swing it somehow. And there's enough space in a theater because when I saw Bill and Ted there, there's enough space that you can space out even with yeah. people who don't know. Yeah. Uh, so someone in my bubble might not be in your bubble, but we could still all go and still have enough bubble space. Yeah. True. But 199 bucks if we can get Wonder Woman 84 – Theater all to ourselves for 199 bucks. It'd be completely worth it. Oh oh oh! Let oh oh oh! So so we have a we have a special message coming in. Oh, it's a that from the most electrifying man in podcast spreadsheets. Mr. Gavin Whitehead has sent us a message uh, in regards to the show in our hundredth episode. So. Uh, Take a listen, and we will uh, get back to you on the flip side. This is Gavin, your self-appointed archivist. To the entire True North Nerds team, I wanted to say congratulations on your 100th episode. I've been enjoying the show from day one and look forward to its release every other week. As I've told Brent, the show is one that I pause other podcasts for when it shows up on my device. Keep up the great work. 
So that was a message from uh, Mr. Gavin Whitehead, who is at home with uh, his brand new baby girl. And, Thanks, Gavin. Uh, and congratulations. I can't he said that. <laughs> the, uh, the, the, so nice. the thing to show is it's like we've had a lot of support from a lot of our friends. Like, obviously, Ed's a prime example of that. He jumped on to help out whenever he can. And uh, beyond that, we have people like Rex and and Gavin's been the the keeper of the uh, Geek Pick spreadsheet since I, I it wasn't right off the bat he he kept it but it, it, like I want to say a month or two in yeah it but was pretty close hard, to the beginning how yeah. hard it is how hard is it to copy and paste Squirrel Girl sixty five times <laughs> I had other picks as well. Yeah, well, still, squirrel, it depends on Excel. You can start typing it in, it autofills itself. That's true. As, as somebody has, who has to do spreadsheets for the, the radio show that I host, uh, the one thing I could say about that is putting in Squirrel Girl over and over might actually be a detriment because the rest of us are different. So if you <laughs> lose track on the spreadsheet of what which episode it is, I, I could see that being like something that screws it up. No, probably what screwed it up was when Jen changed her choices. He no, probably man. had he probably had a hundred forms filled of Squirrel Girl, and then he she said, "Oh, I'm going to choose My Little Pony and Transformers," and Gavin's like, "Ah, crap." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought kind of a, a fun thing to do because this, this is kind of like the clip show episode of the show in some way without clips because that's a lot of work. <laughs> well, I'm putting in interview clips and yeah, it's a bit of work. It's like episode 300 of the Simpsons. I couldn't think of anything to animate. So let's just have a clip show. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. Pretty much. That's going to be episode 300. I thought I uh, we'd uh, kind of go around the uh, the table a little bit and uh, just talk about memories of doing the show. Uh, it started off as a completely different beast than it is now. It was a Star Trek based podcast, and then it turned into this podcast. And... Thank God it changed. <laughs> <laughs> well, not for well, no, because I've still I've still never seen Deep Space Nine now. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you'd have kept watching it. On your own, you'd be done by now. Mm. That's true, but I got other stuff to watch. No. And if I didn't watch it before, I wasn't going to watch it now. <laughs> then stop complaining about not seeing it. I'm not complaining. I'm just commenting. Oh. But um, I like cast. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> I like how we've been able to not only keep up consistency, you know, coming out episodes pretty much on every two weeks. On on Monday, sometimes Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on our internet and and technology being Holidays. my enemy. <laughs> but I I like how we've also kept up a little bit of versatility. Like one of the uh, I was talking to Jen earlier, and one of my favorite things that uh, we've put up was uh, I've stolen the term from last uh, podcast on the left was the relax fit episode that you uh Kev- that Ryan Kevin and Ed did in Evan's yard or in uh Ryan's yard Ed's yard Ed's yard god damn it one of right? them Ryan doesn't have a yard shot. Ryan doesn't have a yard yeah the the one we did after had the one in three shot and you 
the the one we did after the Elmvale Sci-Fi Street Fest. That yeah. was after. That, I was trying to remember. That's why. That one was. We couldn't really, remember why we weren't there. <laughs> well, that one was really relaxed fit because we also had a couple beers into us and mm-hmm. uh, some burgers at that point. By time we started doing the podcast, so no, that one that one was good. That was a good day. I, I've got to say that my favorite moments of the show have been when, when we've been able to get out and have fun experiences together that we then come back and report on. The uh, trip to the art gallery to see the Guillermo del Toro exhibit comes yeah, to mind. Yeah, that was on my list. Yeah. Um, the, um, the library Comic-Con panels that we've done, the Elmville Street Festival. Yeah. You know, those have all been really fun things that I'm so glad that we got to do together. Yeah, and and you know, we we've met some people along the way and there there's been some people who have been with us from the beginning, like I said, like Ed, Rex and Gavin have been all been very supportive. Um but interestingly enough, our next interview guest in pre-recorded form uh is another guy who uh, has been supporting us pretty much from the get-go, allowing me to come on to his radio show and uh, kind of uh, pimp our wares, so to speak. But we've never had him on our show is uh, one Mr. Jason Agnew from uh, Sunday Night's Main Event and the the News Talk 1010 Sunday, Sunday Morning Trivia. And so I use this as an excuse to have... Uh, Jay on, and interestingly, uh, we talked about Alex Trebek. Joining us now is a man who's been very supportive of this podcast and previous po- previous podcasts that I've done over the years, but I, I haven't managed to get him on this show yet until now. The host of Sunday Night's Main Event, along with... Uh, what is the actual name of the trivia show on? Oh, it's just full out Sunday morning trivia. trivia? It's really obvious. Guess what? It happens on Sunday mornings. <laughs> Jason Agnew is finally joining us. Thank you for uh, coming in on episode 100, Jay. Oh, you hit the century mark. Congratulations. Yeah, t- I'm kind of surprised. <laughs> You're surprised? I'm a little Why surprised. I just figure you would have given up at some point? I uh, well, you've done shows and podcasts with multiple people and and especially I find it more with podcasts that uh, and we will see that due to COVID is everybody wants to do one until you have to put the work in. And luckily I got some good co-hosts and everybody was willing to continue. Yeah, it's very crowded out there um, because anyone can do a podcast, right? It's not like the old days as I sit here as a guy who's been working in radio for 20 years, you know, starting in 1999, where actually we, we, were, we were broadcasting on, you know, mainstream radio and real audio when I started uh, uh, with live audio wrestling. And that was groundbreaking to be putting your things online in real audio. Mm. Uh, but now, you, you know, I mean, look at us. You're sitting at home. I'm sitting at home. We're broadcasting. We've got computers and mics in front of us, and that's about all you need. Now, granted, I still try to keep uh, quality high. You know, my mic is half decent, but it's still by no means studio quality. And I think a lot of people don't realize that when they get into the podcast world, that's like, oh, I'll just uh, I'll grab my phone 
and uh, I'll record into that. And no, 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 you need a little bit of equipment at least, please. But you're right, it's very crowded, and there's a lot of people starting it up, because honestly, a lot of people just don't have anything to do. And I kind of fall into that, but I'm resisting starting another one. <laughs> the other good thing is, if you are looking for gear... About two months, every two months, you see a bunch of it show up on Kijiji and Facebook Marketplace. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. People just giving up and tossing it out there. Yeah. So, interestingly enough, uh, I kind of joked with you a little bit off off mic, but you're probably going to be one of the very few game show hosts that I will have on the show, definitely for this episode. And as we record this, Alex Trebek just passed away. And I'm curious, as a guy who has hosted so many shows over the years of game show nature, like full out game shows, and even like the the shows you were doing at Comedy Bar have a kind of game show element to them. Is Trebek kind of like the gold standard of presenters in that space? You know, it's so funny. A lot of people have said that. And for those of you that don't know who the hell I am or why I'm talking right now, uh, yeah, I have hosted a few game shows. I did uh, Brain Battle on Global, Pop Q on the E! Network, and a Door-to-Door on Travel and Escape. And yeah, Sunday Morning Trivia is my regular radio gig. That's a very, It's a game show on the radio. So yeah, I mean, people have said that and they're like, oh, he's the goat. He's the goat. Um, as far as uh, television hosts and game show hosts go, I will say this. He's one of the few remaining guys who is known as a game show host. And that is something that really doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Because now you have celebrities that are attaching themselves to game shows. Joel McHale is hosting Card Sharks. Drew Carey is hosting The Price is Right. You know, Whereas before it was... Bob Barker is your Price is Right host, and he is known for hosting The Price is Right. And I think a few things before that, truth or consequences maybe, but like he is a game show host. Trebek is was left. Sajak yep. uh, is, you know, Wheel of Fortune. He's a game show host. Sure, they tried a talk show in like the 90s. That failed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's funny to say, though, is he the greatest of all time? I mean, my mind does kind of go to Bob Barker. Mm. Um, with the real gaming nature of The Price is Right. And even to talk about Canadian game show hosts, let's not forget Monty Hall, all right? Because Monty Hall's from Winnipeg and had his start in radio and oh, then true. moved on to do Let's Make a Deal, which is now hosted by Wayne Brady, who's an actor and improviser. So as you can see, um, but I mean, you know, taking nothing away from nothing away from Alex Trebek, like what a crazy run. And I remember seeing Trebek do Jeopardy, of course, at night. And then during the day when I was growing up and like summer break, I would watch him do card sharks. Uh, oh, sorry. Classic concentration. He would do classic concentration uh, in the mornings. So he's I mean, he's awesome. Sudbury born guy has just gone and managed to kill it in the space of game shows and has done other things as well, but will always be known as the host of Jeopardy. And I mean, now think about the, the world Jeopardy is in. And I mean, I'm sure they knew this. Everyone knew this was coming for a long time and, and mm. it's extremely sad. And I can't believe he was taping episodes up till two weeks ago in his final really? episode. It was that yeah. close. Two weeks ago, he was still taping episodes. Jeez. His final episode is going to air on Christmas day. Oh. Uh, that is when, I mean, how, how perfect you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's it, it's kind of crazy in that respect very sad um he was just so uh 
You know, he was seen in such a positive light till the very end and kept himself uh, so positive and just was so respected till the very end, um, which is crazy considering what he was going through. And it was pancreatic cancer, which is just, you know, if you're going to get a cancer, that is one of the worst ones to get as far as mortality rates goes. Mm. Um, so there you go. And it, it, what what happens next, Brent? Like what happens next in Jeopardy? Yeah. Who who steps behind that podium? The two suggestions that keep see to be popping up at least on social media are uh Ken Jennings. Yes. Yeah. He That's uh, my guess. He has the biggest record. But one that I kind of like and I in my mind it works but I don't know if he could do it or not. It, Jason Agnew. Yes, J- well, that J- is an option. He is available. available. I do know that. And and hey, we, you fulfilled the Canuck involvement <laughs> at that point. That's right. Sorry, uh, who are you going to say? Somebody mentioned it. A, a bunch of people have gotten on the bandwagon. LeVar Burton. That's very interesting from his Reading Rainbow yeah. um, background. And I mean, Jordy LaForge from Star Trek. And I mean, people listening to this immediately probably thought Jordy LaForge Forge. first. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, he has no game show background, though. So, yeah. or trivia show background. So that, yeah. that would be the question mark. Well, I mean, he's an actor, and he can, I guess, play a host. And, and you know, he's a host from Reading Rainbow as well. Mm. Hey, not a bad suggestion. Um, I, I kind of like the idea of Ken Jennings. Now, I didn't, I don't watch Jeopardy all that much, so I don't know how Ken Jennings would be turning yeah. around and going from contestant to, to host, host and there's a learning curve there um but anyone following alex like come on but you almost want to retire the show yeah and i don't think they will <laughs> it's i mean if you look at what because i keep mentioning prices right and i mean i remember being on the air uh on global hosting brain battle when bob barker was said goodbye and then to me drew carey is a replacement i'm just like what I don't think I've ever watched the show again. I will say Wayne Brady, Monty Hall's replacement. I actually saw them co-host a show together, and that's wonderful. Uh, but I, I think Wayne Brady is used to being in his own skin uh, mm. a little bit more. I don't really care for Drew on Prices Right, but I do really like Wayne Brady on as uh, as Monty Hall's the second Monty Hall on Let's Make a Deal. Yeah, I think Let's Make a Deal lends itself to that because it's a little bit more of a wackier game show in some ways like yeah, they encourage like Jeopardy... the costumes and all that sort of stuff so like his improv background and comedy background for yeah. Wayne Brady it's a it's a kind of a good fit I feel like Jeopardy you have to be an intelligent person and I mean I feel like LeVar Burton you know fills that as well um and and I don't know how smart Trebek actually was but he played it very well hmm. um and Jennings obviously is right so there's a, a certain credibility uh that goes on there Speaking of which, uh, this has been an interesting year for pro wrestling, which is one of your main coverage points on Sunday night's main event. True, true. Are we getting going to get wackier as this goes on, or are we sort of settling into a sense of normalcy with not having crowds, or at least not much in the way of crowds, and some of these uh, pre-recorded video matches and things like that? Or is is this just like a, a bump in the road and we're going to go back to regular wrestling once everything start, starts kind of getting back to normal? Well, listen, I will I will say one thing that I think if, if you didn't know it already, 
you definitely know now that wrestling is the cockroach of entertainment. (laughs) It was the one thing, like the world stopped dead in its tracks for a pandemic. The world stops and we're still watching WrestleMania. It never missed a week. That's insane. That is absolutely insane. So here's what's happened. Yeah, so they're doing, they've now got uh, a couple different perspectives here. So we've got the AEWs of the world and we've got WWE. And I guess WWE has put themselves in a Thunderdome or there's all these screens of people's faces and it kind of sucks, but it's kind of cool at the same time. Um, and AEW is in an open air stadium with a roof, but still open sides. And they've got limited amount of fans uh, in Daly's place in, I believe, St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, uh, what I think will happen is you're just going to see as as sports get back to it. Um, so will wrestling as far as fans in the stands. Uh, one thing that um, we have learned, though, is that wrestling without fans can be very difficult to watch. Hmm. Um, and and wrestlers uh, in WWE had no idea what to do when there were first no fans in the audience. Because it's like theater when there's no one in the audience is what it is. So I think that they've learned, and you mentioned the film matches, uh, cinematic matches. They've, there's been good ones. There's been bad ones. They're different. In a way, it's evolved the industry slightly. And another way, and I don't think those are going away. We're going to see more of those. But another thing it's done to evolve the industry is it's changed the way that wrestling makes its money. Uh, and we already saw a lot of this wrestling money's coming in through television contracts and WWE network and subscribers and all of that. But it used to be territory based. And it also used to be a lot of people going to arenas to watch what's called house shows, which are not film. Those might be gone. Uh, if anything, you know, wrestlers used to be on the road for four days a week and then home for three days type of thing. And they do two television shows or one television show and then three dates that were just in stadiums and people could go see wrestling matches in stadiums. I don't know when those are going to come back. I mean, the touring will will happen again as people are allowed to get back into stadiums, but only for television because that's important. I don't think that they're going to drag people into arenas to do house shows for a long time, if ever, if, if ever, because why do you want to go see those anyway? Yeah, well, the, the WWE seemed to be scaling back house shows even before COVID, really. Yeah, and AEW really never jumped into them. Yeah. Um, they they more so focused on television. I mean, you want to focus your... Um, you, you want, you know, wrestlers only have a certain, they call it a bump count. Like there's a certain amount of bumps every wrestler can take, certain amount of times they can be hit before their body breaks down. Mm. And you want to do that to the biggest audience possible. And the biggest audience is going to be a televised event that also has a live crowd. So that I think is definitely the focus now. And it really has changed the industry because of that. But I'm still, I'm still absolutely um, shocked that wrestling never stopped when everything else did. <laughs> yeah, you kind of figured there'd at least be a week or two in there. Yeah, but, yeah just two weeks or so. Yeah. But did you, 9-11 didn't even stop the WWE. So yeah, you're right. You're right. They were on, they, they were doing stuff that week. 
<laughs> they always want to be first. They always want to be back first. And you know, they want to be back filling that uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer stadium uh, this year for WrestleMania as well, because they were unable to do it last year. Mm. Now, one of the things that kind of crosses over more into the realm of, of our podcast is recently there's been discussion or arguments or just flat out dictated to stop the the WWE stars doing their Twitch streams, which is oh, yeah. most of them are doing video game stuff. Yep. Is this one of the things that like weirdly is a catalyst for possibly changing the industry a little bit in terms of how they're considered independent contractors? Because there, it seems like a lot of them are kind of up in arms about it or waiting and seeing. There's been a lot of different things over the years, uh, and for those who don't, for those who don't understand what we're talking about here, because I don't, I don't think this is this is kind of inside baseball. Uh, professional wrestlers under the WWE brand are considered independent contractors, so they're not employees. Therefore, they don't get health benefits. A lot of the time, they were paying for their own travel and hotels and rental cars. Mm. Like that's just how their contracts worked out. So. Um, there's always been debate over that because if you're an independent contractor, then you should be allowed to go and work at another place. Like that would mean WWE guys should be able to go and be on AEW, but that's definitely not allowed. So essentially they have all the restrictions of being an employee with none of the benefits of being an employee, including benefits, <laughs> including benefits. That's right. They don't have those. They don't have those. Uh, which, which, listen, when you are getting the crap beat out of you, real or fake or whatever you want to call it, can be very important. Uh, so w- there's there's been a few things, and people have talked unionized over in the past. I mean, Sergeant Slaughter and Jesse Ventura, they, there's been issues with them in the past trying to start a union. I think, um, and the Twitch channels, WWE tried to ban their imp- not employees, they're contracted performers from having their own Twitch channels, even if it was under their real names. Now, mm. I get that, you know, you can't have The Undertaker be on Twitch as The Undertaker because WWE owns The Undertaker, Undertaker. gimmick, yeah. but they don't own Mark Calloway. Mm. Mark Calloway should be able to have a Twitch channel on his own. But what WWE wants to do is they want to have a WWE twitch brand and then have all of their stars under that and that's where people go to talk and see their stars play video games and and do whatever they're going to do so this is something that has come up and also the stars were making money off their twitch and wwe is stopping them from making that money and in the new deal that they're proposing they would be under their actual gimmick name and any money they made would be taken out of their downside guarantee, so out of their actual salary. It's completely insane. Now, the I think the biggest thing that this has working against it and the issue that the WWE might be running into now is the fact that there's a gentleman named Andrew Yang, who's a politician in the U.S. He's a Democrat, and he all of a sudden, after last week, uh, has the ear of the president of the United States. Mm. And Vince McMahon is in Donald Trump's pocket. Well, that's no more. So Andrew Yang, who has who seems to be real good buds with Chris Jericho, who knows a lot about the inner workings of WWE contracts, um, may be taking this to a more serious level. And I would I would really like it if listen, if you're going to restrict your performers to only perform for you and have a schedule and not allow them outside interest, you can do that. But just 
pay them for it and give them some health care. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. So to sort of end off and go back into our realm for the podcast a little bit. End off, Brent. Come on. Look, I'm just opening my second beer of the day. <laughs> I told you we had to do this early because I'd be on beer number two. I'm on my second Canuck Pale Ale of the day. I'm ready to go. That Nice plug in there, by the way. <laughs> They're very good people, and they give me beer, and I talk about them, and also their beer is delicious. Hey, we are all those of us who drink on the show uh, do enjoy a good cold one, so we are have no problem with people plugging uh, smaller breweries. I guess would be the best way of putting it, because Lord knows as well, a flying monkey here in Barry has, yeah. had un- unwittingly. Uh, given us a, a fair amount of beer over the years. Um, so we uh, tend to do on our show Geek Picks. So it's what we're watching, what we're reading, yeah. uh, th- things of that nature. I oh, noted, you should have told me this. Uh, right. Well, I noticed recently that you yeah. have jumped on the Disney Plus bandwagon. I did. I did, yeah. What have you been checking out on Disney Plus? Because you're a little bit late to the game, so I'm really curious what it is that drew you in finally for it. Okay. Well, first things first, I watched The Mandalorian. When it came out, Brent, I just watched it via other means. Means. I feel a little bad about it, but uh, I did that. So I haven't got into season two Mm -hmm. um, yet. I'm holding on to it because I want to watch. I can't deal with this week to week thing. Oh, really? I want to watch. I want like four in a row, at least four. Uh, So I'm holding off on that. Um, I, we got it. Why did we get it to watch Hocus Pocus? Actually, I was writing Sunday morning trivia for Halloween for Hocus Pocus. So we're like, well, we could rent Hocus Pocus for five bucks or we could get Disney plus for, I don't know, six 99 or whatever. Mm. So we went with Disney plus we watched Hocus Pocus first. Mr. Boogity, which the lady <laughs> friend wanted to watch. Um, in my plans of Disney Plus, I do feel as though we're going to go back to Iron Man and we're going to start and make our way through oh. all of the Marvel films. Listen, it's still a pandemic and it's not going away. We've got a lot of time on our hands. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start and do that. But at the moment, that's really all I've done with, with Disney Plus. I just finished on Netflix. I just finished The Queen's Gambit. Um, which was surprisingly good. Uh, I just finished Brockmire, which the fourth season is garbage, but if you're a baseball fan, uh, the first three are incredible. Actually, it has a real nice round-out ending to the end of it, so watch the whole thing. Yeah, okay. uh, and I'm, I'm waiting for the Righteous Gemstones to come back on Crave, because that show is awesome. Yes, I, I completely agree. It's, it's one of those shows, like all of their shows, I really enjoy but you kind of have to be able to enjoy them. Like they're not for everybody. You, you, you mean have, you mean like when you say their shows, you mean like Danny McBride? And yeah, Curry? like Eastbound yeah. and Down and Vice Principals. Oh, so good. I didn't. I, you know, I didn't bite into Vice Principals. Eastbound and Down, I was into huge. I loved it. Um, but yeah, I, I Righteous Gemstones. <laughs> it's just you know we we live in the north um and you just you see the preachers on tv coming out of texas and this is like a behind the scenes look of a family that runs this crazy ministry there that is mm. just incredibly rich like drives from golf carts around their huge property from house to house and it's great and it's Danny mcbride it's john goodman as the father figure in the whole thing 
it's ludicrous and great at the same time. Yeah, it's and those guys like Walter Goggins is an actor who I've loved since The Shield. And you just can throw anything at him and he's good. What an underrated performer. Like he finally got his um, network debut last year in The Unicorn. Oh, yeah. Um, Right, which is pretty good. Uh, it, it's it's okay. It's sitcommy, but it also have has Rob Corddry in it, mm. uh, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, but yeah, Walton Goggins is like he's just a guy that you didn't notice was there, and he's played so many different styles of roles. I mean, he plays uh, in in um, the Righteous Gemstones. He plays was cousin cousin Billy or something like that, yeah. and he's an older guy. Like they age him up. Has got to be aged up about thirty years. Uh, but he plays it great. He's a very talented actor. Yeah, uh, I really liked him in The Shield, and um, he, even he he made one or two appearances on Sons of Anarchy as a transgendered prostitute. Really? <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. like it, it's because I I think it's one of those things that because the the guy did, who was the showrunner and creator of Sons of Anarchy is a former writer on The Shield. So huh. he when he went over he like a lot of the guys from the shield show up for one spot one episodes here and there but that but that's also a show that really only needed 5 seasons instead of 8. <laughs> that happens to a lot of shows. I mean that's that's one of the things that's nice about some UK TV. Um like oh my goodness. What is that show that oh boy um, cause this is the ideal example. The one that won all the awards last year at the Emmys with the female lead who breaks the fourth wall. Oh, uh, Fleabag? Fleabag! Yeah. Very good, Brent. Fleabag is an incredible show. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is the star of it. It's based on an act she used to do when she was live. Hmm. Uh, and she was playing multiple characters. And it is... So great. And she only wanted to do one season. And the only reason she wanted to do was willing to do a second season is she or someone else came up with the idea that another character could hear her break the fourth wall. And that blew her mind and made her do more episodes. <laughs> so it was, and, but it, it's like, I finished that series. And I was like, what do you mean? There's no more. What do you mean? You're not going to do anymore, but that's it. It's just two seasons and it goes away. Like the classic, the office. Yeah. You know? Or, or in the the tradition of British TV, we'll get four seasons, and then six years later, they'll do another one for some unknown reason, just out now, of the blue, like uh, that's Luther everywhere and, now. Yeah, Luther. That's, that's coming back to the U.S. too. There's so many series that are being rebooted. Yeah, and some of them really don't need to be like no. Home Improvement. Do we really no, need to know where those characters are now? Is that coming back? I had heard something that they're looking at it. I think it mainly comes out of because uh, I want to say it's called Last Man Standing, the the Tim Allen show that's yeah, on that's, right now. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, that's think, done now, though. Yeah, it's finally wrapping up whatever it has left. So he needs Well, listen, they, they don't have Wilson. They don't have Wilson anymore because mm. he's passed away. And Zachary Ty Bryan gotten some trouble with an abuse charge about Ooh. a month ago. So uh, he okay. might uh, he might not he's be got it. some court proceedings to deal with before he can do a reboot of an old series. Yeah, but uh, at the same time if uh Full Fuller House and the Connors have proven anything is you you can chop characters out and just make True. excuses. Hey, Connors is pretty solid actually. I still watch that. I don't I don't mind it at all. I was shocked when 
even when they wrote off Roseanne, that it was still worth watching. I enjoy it. The writing staff on that show is is really solid. Yeah. And and weirdly now, again, proving kind of John or John Goodman's worth as an actor right there. Yeah. He's yeah. now taken on the full lead of that show. Yeah. And you mentioned Sons of Anarchy, right? And they've now got... Uh, Oh, uh, Peggy Bundy, yep. which is Katie Seagal. Katie Seagal. Katie Seagal is on Connors now as well. Um, basically playing not Roseanne's part, but the female lead there is Dan's girlfriend. Yeah. And apparently they're, they're going to deal with her being stuck with them in during COVID. Yes. They're doing that already. <laughs> they're doing it already. That was a couple of, that was last week. Yep. So as we wrap up here, Jay, if our listeners want to hear more from you, where is the best place to find you? Yeah, so um, a couple things. I mean, join me Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on News Talk 1010. You can stream it at Newstalk1010.com, where I dish out useless facts like this conversation that we just had on <laughs> Sunday morning trivia, except I don't, I don't babble because I have things written in front of me, and I know what Katie Seagal and Phoebe Waller-Bridge's names are. Uh, and then along with that, if you are a wrestling fan, please check me out at SundayNightsMainEvent.com, at SNME Radio on Twitter. Uh, and that is, of course, I just really, Brent, I'm living uh, a reverse God schedule where I rest six days and I work one. So that, w- that was a, a little tidbit uh, with, with Jason Agnew, who I've I realized this year that I've known Jay for 20 years. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, it's not not incredibly well up until probably like the, the last 10, I would say. But like the he, he, he's been uh, a supporter of mine from the get go. Uh, we met when uh, I was in radio school and he was producing live audio wrestling at the time uh, on Mojo 640. So that that gives you kind of the time period. Mojo. And one of my teachers worked at Mojo and found out I liked wrestling. And he's like, why don't I send you there and you can like visit with them and maybe we can get you a co-op or something with them, Uh, which didn't end up happening because they had no money (laughs) (laughs) or, or, or space for another guy to kind of help out. But uh, I met Jay there, and then later on, I ended up uh, doing a guest spot on Alan Cross's TV show on Byte slash Ox, and we've kind of been friends ever since. And anytime I've had a show or something going on, he's been very kind and given me a platform to promote it, including this one. So, and and the interesting thing was, uh, when I first met him, he wasn't super nerdy about anything other than like wrestling and in since the the last star like the first of the new star wars movies came out force awakens uh, i think that kind of opened that doorway a little bit so we talk a little bit more about nerdier stuff than we did in the past Um, i mean i haven't met jason but i've got to thank him for having you on his show so often where you get to uh tell his listeners about us so i am sure we've picked up a few listeners because because he's been so supportive of, of you and us and our show yeah and uh, i i know he's listened here and there not like regularly but uh, i know he's picked up a couple episodes um Ke- kevin mm-hmm. any particular uh memories of the of our show of doing anything with the with the show or uh any particular moments that come to mind Hmm. Well, there have been a couple of times when you haven't been able to be here and Ryan and I have to take control of the show. Uh, that's always wow. kind of fun. 
um, you know, when, when we were at Elmvale Street Fest and we met Rex for the first time and we realized it was sort of, it was somebody, was it there or was it at a movie theater where he came up to us and he was the first sort of listener that we had who none of us knew before we started the show. Yeah. And, there was uh, a movie theater that you guys ran into him. And then I, for me, yeah. it was uh, one of the free comic book days at Big B Comics. Mm. You know, that's kind of fun getting, you know, that we've made such a good new friend out of, out of the show. Uh, you know, I'll always be grateful yeah. for that. So uh, those are the kinds of things that I love. And he was he was that one lonely kind of person, you know that one kind of uh, I don't want to say anything you know creepy or anything like that. But <laughs> he, you know when we had our live uh, recording at the library, he was the that one kind of guy in the back of the room. <laughs> the one creepy <laughs> guy we in found the back out, of the was, room. We found out afterwards. Well, now we know. Like, well, he was back there while his daughter and her friends were the ones up in the front row that yeah. we were giving free stuff to. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, because they showed up. They got the entire freebie giveaway, didn't they? <laughs> yes, yeah, they did. Other than Ed, they were yeah. our audience. Oh, Ed Rex. Jen, any uh, particularly favorite moments from doing the show so far? Yeah, oh, Kevin took mine. <laughs> um, I really like. I was like Kevin was saying. It was really nice to um, to meet new people through the show, like like Rex and his family. And I'm really glad that. Uh, We've had lots of opportunities to get to know him and his family um, a lot better. Um, and, you know, I, I really love it when we go and do things as a group, like when we went to the art gallery and uh, when we go to conventions, we went to Fan Expo. And it's just super fun to just hang out and, you know, it's and bond over the nerdiness. Um, my favorite memory, which is, I guess, sort of related to the podcast, was when uh, I got Kevin and Ryan in on buying Brent his christmas present or birthday present oh yes an expo and i think kevin was running distraction and ryan and i went and bought it or vice versa <laughs> yeah, was, yeah other way yeah i was running yeah. around with ryan was running distraction was, and uh, kevin and i that was the march at the march show yeah and yeah. we smuggled it into the trunk of the car and bert was none the wiser even though he was the one driving <laughs> and we got it out of the trunk at ryan's apartment without yep. him noticing yeah <laughs> it was awesome because it wasn't small either no, nope, but it is no, on it display right behind you right now. <laughs> I walked right past him with a big box in my arms and he never even noticed. <laughs> no, you had it covered with your coat. <laughs> but still, it was obvious that I had my yeah. jacket was my, my jacket doesn't just float out in the air like it's covering a box <laughs> when there's not something underneath it. What about you, Ryan? Yeah. What about me? Oh, I don't know. All, uh, all the no, all the same moments and everything that's already been said. Uh, every time we've gone to the theater together to see one of the Marvel movies, or and then done our big deep dive reviews, those are always fun. Mm. Or our pre deep dive reviews when we go to like Boston Pizza and have snacks and talk about the movie, and then we come back and record. <laughs> that's fun too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but no, it's, it, it's all this. No, it's just being able to, to to get together and do stuff together, which is. Part of the thing that's been lacking and missed the most this year with uh, the situation and everything. But, uh, you know, next year will be different and we'll get back on the road and there'll be things happening. Yeah, here's hoping. Like, I I don't think I'm trying to think of the last time I saw Ed in person. At his barbecue. Yeah, I guess that would be it. 
in what, August. So August. Yeah. Yeah, when when some of the some of the uh, regulations loosened a little bit, and yeah, we were allowed to expand our social circles. So. And you've got enough land where that wasn't a problem either. Yeah, we were still pretty oh, much socially distant. That was my that was my goal was to have everyone socially distant, but I found out later some people thought I was rude because I didn't. <laughs> oh really? Everyone, but my idea was it was supposed to be pods of people. Because you were supposed yeah. to social distance. But anyway. Ah, we didn't find you rooted. And the food was uh, fucking awesome, as per <laughs> usual. So, <laughs> uh, Ed, you are uh, a, a fairly regular member of our cast, but you were also occasionally a listener. Do, do you have any uh, memories of working with us or putting up with our antics at anything that stick out? Well... I think my number one. Do do you guys hear me when I scream into the radio when you're wrong on something? <laughs> I do, but I just ignore you. Yeah, because yeah. there's lots of times I've been driving down the road and someone's like, uh, "What was this character? It was Cobra Commander." Um, no, it was the guy. Uh, he's got the silver feet. It's Cobra <laughs> fucking Commander. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so there's been a few times like that, or you know, like. If somebody says something bad about Batman versus Superman, it's like, just watch the goddamn director's cut. Like, come on. You know, those little things. But as far as joining in, I think uh, the ones I've been involved, there was a lot more where I was able to guest when uh, when Jen was on hiatus for a bit when, when uh, yeah. she was living down in the city. So there were a lot more opportunities to be on the show. Um, also, the, the movie reviews are always great, too. Um, you know, like when we got to see stuff like Ghostbusters and Wonder Woman and, and all that kind of, like, I really enjoyed those ones, be able to give my two cents worth. Yeah. To this day, I, I think we are the only podcast that liked that Ghostbusters movie and I will die on that hill. That's a good movie. (laughs) It's a good movie. Well, and I, I think I said it on that podcast. Like it was a movie I never wanted to be made. And I love it. And even on Blu-ray and DVD where there's the two cuts. And I think it's fantastic with that movie, how you have the director's cut or the extended cut and the regular cut and how it's not just extra scenes they put in. It was completely different scenes like the director's cut. It was just a whole scene done from a different camera angle. It's, it's different acting. It's, I love it. I can watch that movie both ways. So, There's an extended and a director's? Yes. Yeah. If you get the Blu-ray, it's... I, I've got it. I've never... I, I don't think I've watched one of those. I don't, I'm don't. i now curious which one I have watched. So, so there's the theatrical and then the extended. Yeah. If you watch the extended, a lot of the scenes are completely different because they didn't just take the scenes that were cut out of it. It was a different take on the scene. Like at the beginning when... Uh, they're talking about, oh, this is the room where P.T. Barman originally came up with the idea of enslaving elephants. If you watch that scene, it's completely different. And mm. and all the ad-libs are different. And No, I can watch both because the movies are completely different from each other. And Interesting. Quite I remarkable. I've seen the theatrical one. Oh, watch the extended. There's a whole other subplot there with uh, Aaron Aaron's boyfriend who breaks up with her and 
Anyways, this isn't a Ghostbusters podcast. Just go and watch yes, it. Yes, it is. No, it's no, a no, Ghostbusters no, podcast. Andy, the nice thing about us having our own podcast is we can talk about whatever the hell we want. Isn't that well, extended? <laughs> Jen, remember the end of the movie when there's yeah. the whole thing and then they show it during the credits them, them all being possessed and dancing? The dancing scene? I love that's that all, scene. That's in the movie. In the extended, yeah, slash I heard about that, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. it watched the extended. I honestly, no, that that's the things I really have enjoyed is just being able to join in and and put my two cents in when it comes down to the nerd stuff. And and speaking of movies, I really liked it when we did um, which was which Superman was it that was awful? Oh, uh, three. Superman three three. Yeah, when we did the Pryor. commentary. Yeah, I want to do that again. Pick another terrible movie and do a commentary again. Well, uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, you can always watch fun. that. Uh, what's that new Nicolas Cage movie? Jujitsu. Oh. <laughs> the the the. It looks like it's a bad Predator ripoff. So <laughs> we we do have uh, a bunch of other guests, and we do? coming up is I don't know if he was the first comic book guy interview that we did on the show, but he's definitely close. Um, a, a guy that I've been wanting to talk to again for uh, the last little while, Mr. Adam Gorham, who has mm. been doing work for Valiant and for Marvel and for a whole bunch of other stuff. If you if you listen to the interview, it's kind of amazing how many companies he's worked for. I think the only one he hasn't done professional work for in the last like two or three years is DC, which is really kind of amazing. Therefore. Yes. Their loss. Yeah. So uh, I got to talk to Adam and we talked about like the state of being a comic book artist in, uh, in a COVID pandemic. So here you go. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the first guests we ever had on our show and a guy that we had to have back for episode 100. He is comic artist extraordinaire, Mr. Adam Gorham. Adam, thank you for joining me uh, in this recording uh, later in the evening. <laughs> no problem. Thank you for accommodating my schedule and doing this late at night. Uh, no. it's, it's great to be on. <laughs> no problem. So uh, speaking of which, uh, let's just kind of touch upon that. You are doing lots of different art things in the comics world right now. What's your day-to-day schedule kind of look like? Because you're also a dad and you, you know, you're kind of working from home and you're, but at the same time, it's stuff that has to get done. Yeah, it's, 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 it's challenging. I'm lucky though. It's, uh, it hasn't been too terrible. So first of all, I'm accommodated. I am accommodated to working from home, although I'm accommodated to working from home alone. And I have two daughters who have been home since the pandemic and um, my partner has been home as well. So, you know, add a couple cats and a dog into the mix and it gets pretty rowdy here. Um, but, uh, you know, like I try to keep a nine to five schedule um, and uh, that works out OK. Um, every once in a while, you know, it gets to be crunch time and, you know, I, I log in extra hours in the evening Um but I try to, you know, I try to make the day about work. And then in the evenings, I like to spend time with the family or, or you know, do 
other activities that, you know, whatever's permissible to do in these times. But, um, you know, I try to, I try to get myself out a little bit out of, out of the workspace, I should say. And, um, and then in the evening, I like to keep up with some drawing, but in a more cat, like, you know, like in a more relaxed state of mind. So I might do some drawing for myself or, you know, um, uh, you know, less, less pressing, uh, jobs or, you know, just, you know, that, that's when it's kind of time for me to experiment, uh, strut my stuff and, and, and work on my work on my skill set. So, I mean, that's been pretty the, you know, essentially the way it's been, of course, you know, there's no real there. It's hard to, it's hard to get used to any, any, any routine because, you know, even having a plan for a day, there's plenty of curveballs on a daily basis that get thrown my way. So, you know, while the, while I while there's stuff I want to do, I have to keep myself limber to tackle the unexpected. But um, you know, lately, with uh, so much on my mind, like I'm sure it's the case for everybody, I find it's really helpful to when I sit at my desk with my coffee in the morning. Um, I grab like a post-it and I just write down a bullet point list of things that I'd like to do that day. Um, whether it's art related, work related, uh, errands that I need to run, just little things that I got to, you know, like that call that I need to make or, or whatever. Um, I find that if I'm not writing them down, I get too scatterbrained and I don't remember to do them. So I, you know, having that list posted on like my my monitor or or somewhere nearby where I can, where I'm, you know, wherever my my eyes are always darting past it so that I can see it, it kind of keeps me grounded. Um, and I find that without writing stuff down on a daily basis, uh, I just I, I get really lost. So that's really been the most consistent you know uh, thing while everything else is is, is crazy. I can kind of relate to that a little bit uh, with my day job. I pulled out a whiteboard this afternoon in order to kind of keep track of what projects are going where and what what is due tomorrow and what is due next Friday. Uh, there you go. So you said you've been sort of like experimenting a little bit with with your art and trying to add more tools to the toolbox. I'm curious, uh, as of this recording, you just put up a a Batman sort of head sketch. Is that sort of along those lines of you trying some stuff out? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that was, I, I just recently purchased an airbrush. Um, and cause I've, I've been doing a lot of gradient work with spatter and for a while, like I've, I, I've implemented it in a recent, um, Ninja Turtles book that I drew the team and T 2020 annual that came out earlier this year mm. um i was using it a little bit in um a valiant book i was working on that's been uh put on hiatus because of the pandemic so it's you know and i've been using it in certain commissions and what have you um it's something that i happen to really like 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 the uh you know like the the the, the zip tone paper the screen tone um you know, that uh, you know certain artists use with their illustration work, um, but I don't have the you know like the the zip tone patterns are those. I find the paper to be 
you know, ex- hard to come by, um, expensive to order, and then just the cutting out and everything, really tedious. I used it once, and I managed to, like, accidentally rip off everything that I stuck down. So I found it to be really frustrating. Um, and I just enjoy more so laying down some masking tape, blocking out the areas that I want to preserve, and then, spat, you know, adding the spatter where I want it. And, um, you know, I have a lot of control and it is not as precise as laying down a zip tone pattern, but I like the organic, uh, nature of it. Cause it's, you know, it's like, I never quite know where it's going to land. And so it, I, I think that complements my inking style. Um, but as I wanted to push that further, I decided that I needed something that was a little more, um, you know, powerful and consistent than my thumb on a toothbrush. So um, <laughs> I did some research, uh, I bought an airbrush, and I've just been playing around with it. And that uh, Batman headpiece was literally the first drawing that I made with it. So it turned out a lot better than I thought it would, and uh, I'm really happy with it. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I thought it was pretty awesome, dude. Like, when I saw it pop up in my feed, like, uh you know, when you're scrolling through Twitter, you, sometimes you see something, but you don't know who it's by initially. So you have to kind of like roll it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, oh, that looks really cool. I'm like, oh, wait, that's that's something Adam did. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, like, not that you don't do good work, but it was just one of those things that like I, I didn't expect that from you. But yet it's still when you look at it closer, it still feels like you if that makes any sense. I mean, that's this year, especially that's what I've been trying to do. Um, it gets referred to as, I guess, like leveling up. I've been trying to level up. Um, <laughs> and a big, like a big part of that is just, you know, like I want, I, I want to challenge myself creatively. I want to, you know, uh, broaden my horizons, horizons, play with new tools, but also, um, you know, keep a fresh face for, the, the work that I'm doing and the people who enjoy my work and, uh, you know, the people who would be hiring me. Um, I find that with comics, when you draw a certain way, you know, you never want to get stale. You never want to be pigeonholed and be thought of as this guy that just does this one specific thing. So, you know, I've been doing my best to try out different, different pieces or different techniques with different pieces, seeing with what works, seeing what works, looks, you know, that looks like I drew it, you know, that's in character for me, but also looks like, uh, you know, like a, a natural progression. Um, and, uh, you know, having said that, like I've been doing a lot of cover work at vault this year and, um, this year I, you know, going into 2020, I had wanted to color, uh, my, my covers that I was going to be doing. So I, you know, practiced and, and, and did what I could to learn the ropes for coloring and, I've been using, um, for the most part, I've been coloring pieces on the iPad Pro with Procreate. Um, and I found that to be, you know, just the, like that program is really intuitive for, you know, a beginner, somebody that, you know, like I could color with markers, I can paint. So I have that foundation. And so I found that Procreate w- uh, complemented my, you know, my limited skill set. And then I've done more and more work with Photoshop. Um, yeah, Photoshop just has, it's a more powerful 
program and there's a lot more that you can do with it and there's a lot more to learn. So it's, it's, you know, a learning curve, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it all goes down to, I just, I'm trying not to be, you know, uh, I'm trying to add some new tricks to my bag. <laughs> so it's been a, and it's been a fun year and I, I, I've been very happy with the work that I've been doing. The, the stuff that I've caught so far has been good. I'm, I'm a regular turtles buyer. So that book automatically went into my box this year. Um, speaking awesome. of, speaking of turtles, you, uh, we off mic talked a little bit. You've got a cover for Jenica two coming out and you've also done, uh, the annual that you mentioned and, uh, you did a couple issues of TMNT universe of which I own a page and I'm very happy with, <laughs> um, uh, what is it for you that you like drawing about the turtles? There's a lot that I like about drawing, not just the turtles themselves, but that world. Um, I mean, I, when I first started working on the turtles, I actually had forgotten how big of a fan I was when I was a child. Like every kid in, you know, born in the eighties and, 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 you know, uh, spent their formative years in the nineties. I was big into the, I was big into the turtles, man. Like I love the cartoon. I had virtually all of the action figures, pajamas, T-shirts, um, the movies, etc. Like I made my dad take me to see Ninja Turtles three in theaters, <laughs> and um, so I mean, like, and nobody likes Ninja Turtles three, man. But um, you know, but I, that's how that's how big I was into it. And then somewhere along the line, I just kind of, you know, it's not that I ever stopped liking the turtles, but I just moved. I moved on to other things. Mm. And, um, I remember, you know, I, I had done some cover work, but it wasn't until I drew a two part story in team into universe where I decided, you know, since I was drawing in interiors, I decided to reimmerse myself back in that world. And I was able to rediscover just how, just how fun, just how fun it is. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, the, the cartoon was just, it was light and it was irreverent and it knew who its audience was. And it was also, you know, there was, I, I watched a few old episodes and there was just, you know, humor peppered in there for, you know, for older viewers, just like some jokes that would go over the heads of kids. But, you know, it was, it was not afraid to be a, a wacky cartoon, but was still awesome. And um, and then, of course, like, you know, you've got the movies. I think all of the movies are now on Netflix. So I've watched some of those. Um, and so it's 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 you know, it's a world where it has the capacity to be really lighthearted and humorous. And then also, you know, has the range of being dark and, 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 and serious and heavy hearted, oftentimes within the same story. And, um, you know, I think that that's why the book has been, you know, carrying on for as long as it has and has resonated with readers the way that it has. You know, when I've, since doing Ninja Turtle art, um, I've just, you know, the, the fans of these books have been really great to me, really supportive. Um, so it's one of the, uh, another reason why I like working on the comics is the fans themselves, just, they're really, you know, they're really kind and they seem to appreciate the work that I've done. And so it makes me want to return to that world. You know, it's nice when a property kind of feels like home in a way. Mm. You know, it's something that I'm familiar with. It's something where I feel like, um, you know, the way I draw and my instincts suit that place well. 
you know, like I don't feel like I'm, you know, they're not, you know, when I, when I get asked to draw some turtle stuff, I'm not being asked to adhere to a house style like you do with other superhero universes. They mm. want me to draw the way I'm going to draw them. And that's a great feeling. So, you know, like it's all that makes it, you know, really worthwhile work for me. Um, and, you know, with the annual, it was probably the first time that I drew turtle stuff that didn't feature any of the, the turtles, you know, so it was all, um, you know, it was all uh, setting up stuff that I guess will be coming down the line with, uh, you know, the some background players and uh, uh, the rogues gallery, which was really fun. And um, throughout, you know, Rat King appears throughout the book, kind of, you know, setting the table for future events and yeah. draw, drawing the Rat King was way more fun than I imagined it being, you know, like I got to really play with light shadows. Um, and he's just a really great character to, he's just fun to draw. He's got that skeletal creepy face and uh, weird form. And, and, and so that was, you know, that was a hoot. And of course I got to draw shredder, which is just totally a blast. Um, is you know shredder so shredder is like almost you know he's like almost liefeldian in the way he's Mm -hmm. just completely covered in razors um but it's awesome so you know that was a that was a really good time yeah i i imagine now working on the idw books it's a little bit more of a playground too just because of what they've done with like mutant town and the it's it's weirdly gone back to kind of what the Archie comics did, but a little bit more serious. But you have all these different creature characters and different animals as people and stuff and, and sitting there. Yeah, I, you know, like I'm not I, I haven't I, you know, I, I wasn't too familiar with what Archie did or with um, what was it? Mirage. Um, you know, I have friends who are like big into the Mirage stuff and mm. uh, um but uh, so I, that was all before my, but, um, you know, it's, I, I really like they're taking concepts and just exploring them to their fullest. And I love it when worlds build and open up like that. So to, to follow that up, you've also been posting on your uh, various socials, uh, a sneak peek at the next uh, volume of the violent. Yes. Um, I, I I'm looking forward to that because I was a huge fan of that first miniseries out like even outside of you working on it. We've known each other for quite a while now and mm-hmm. I love everything you do. Like you're you're kind of an automatic pickup, even if it's not a book that I'm regularly buying. But that's definitely one that I'm looking forward to. Um I don't want to give away the story, mainly for me, because I don't want anything to be spoiled. But what can you tell us about this next violent series? Um, well, uh, when we when we started the first of all with the intention of doing subsequent volumes at Image, um, it was our plan to always make it an anthology series, and so Ed had. Uh, he had he had a long game in play for a five arc story that would be i guess kind of a you know kind of a crime epic you know in mm-hmm. in a way um 
you know, of course, all very grounded, you know, all very Ed, Ed Brisson. But, um, you know, it was always, the idea was to always, uh, kind of like criminal, I guess, as, as, as the violent often gets compared to. So, you, you know, we would have these stories that maybe there was some connective tissue, but they would take place at different points in time and uh, with different characters. But, uh, the, you know, consistently all of the locations would be in Canada. And, um, and uh, you know, at the time it was largely going to be in BC, which, Ed, you know, which is where Ed was living at the time. And so the first volume of The Violent, which was set um, in and around Vancouver, can, you know, like it, uh, it was, a lot of it was based on, on, Ed's observations of, of, of what's going what was going on out there. So uh, this new volume, uh, which is subtitled Running with the Devil, is set in 1986. It is about a, uh, a group of, of, of young kids, um, prepubescent kids, uh, who um, run into trouble and decide to run away from home, but trouble follows them. It's set against the satanic panic um, and, uh, you know, has kind of a heavy, you know, like a very metal 80s metal soundtrack. Mm. Um, so it's 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 pretty cool. Um, you know, it's been really fun to do the research for. Uh, and, Ed, you know, Ed's always been really wonderful in his scripts with providing specific things to, you know, to to draw and to incorporate in terms of, 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 of you know, this of, of setting up scenes. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, um, you know, he remembers from his childhood that I certainly, you know, remember as well. So it's a walk down memory lane. You know, like I was born in 85, so I can't say that I remember the 80s to their fullest, but, you know, I remember all my family photos from that time, and I remember, you know, the late 80s that bled over into the early 90s. So, you know, like I... It, there's a lot of nostalgia in there for me um, and a lot to draw from, but uh, it's, it's really fun so far. We don't have a, you know, we're, we're doing it very loosely. Um, we're, you know, we're doing it ourselves. So I'm, um, I'm drawing it while I have the time to do so in between other things. And uh, you know, it's allowed me to take more time with the pages, which has been really good. And um, they're they're turning out, you know, much nicer than it would if I had to like treat it as a monthly grind. So it's work that I'm still happy with a couple weeks later, which is really something saying something. So I think when we put together um, a few issues and, and begin to release them, and however we plan to do it, I think people are going to be really happy with with what we have to present. I I'm super looking forward to it. The the one thing I've noticed about your career, especially in the last year or two, is uh, as far as a freelancer goes, you keep getting kind of I, I I don't know how steady it is, but from the outward appearance, you keep getting sort of consistent work from a variety of different sources. You're doing some stuff at Vault. You've had some uh, stuff at Valiant. You've had uh, the stuff with IDW. Is there a piece of, I guess, sort of comic book business advice you would give to an artist to, to kind of get them going in a similar direction? 
Well, um, I mean, you're not wrong. Like I've, I've worked all over. So, I mean, like I've, you know, my first, some, my, my earliest mainstream work was with IDW and, 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 and image working on, on zero. And, uh, it's just been kind of, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the trajectory of my career so far is, you know, it's fun for me to think about because it's not a path that I would have ever imagined or, or planned. Um, because, you know, like I, I had my first breakout thing, uh, with Valiant doing dead drop, which was a four issue miniseries. And then after that went on to do the violent with Ed at image and, um, and then, you know, me, Mike, and Ed all went on to work for Marvel immediately after that. And um, certainly doing work at Marvel or, you know, uh, one of the big two tends to open up more doors for you, uh, I've, I found anyway. Um, so, you know, like I, the thing about comics, I guess, that I would tell people is um, plan ahead. So, you know, I've been pretty good about keeping in touch with, with editors, um, with uh, current work of mine. Cause you know, like I post stuff on, on various social media platforms and I try to reach as many people as I can and get as much, as many eyes on my work as possible. But you, you know, you can't always assume that people are seeing it just because there's so, there's so much online, you know, and I don't, I'm not very good at gaming the algorithms or anything like that. So, um, a consistent thing for me has been, um, you know, every two to three to four months, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I assemble my latest and best work and I send those off to, to editors or whomever, um, and just let people know what I'm up to. And if I have, you know, um, uh, slots of time that'll open up, uh, months from now, you know, so, I guess if I'm, you know, if I were to give advice to to people, um, you know, artists that are trying to make sense of this industry, is that uh, projects can take a long time to get on its legs. So it really helps to, um, even if you're working on a book that's say four or five issues or six issues, and that can amount to, you know, um, six to eight months or a year worth of work. Um, you're going to need, once that project's done, unless you're fortunate and you, you know, your, your publisher offers you something else immediately, chances are you're going to have to find something after that so that you can, you know, have some, so that you're not twiddling your thumbs idly for too long. And if you want to be able to just walk from one thing to another, it means that you always kind of got to keep irons in the fire. Um, for me, that isn't always the easiest thing to do. I, Sometimes worry about, you know, overloading, overloading my schedule. Sometimes there's overlap. And sometimes I just don't have the willpower to say no to a project. Um, just because I've always, I always feel hungry, you know, like it's a freelancer's mentality. And uh, I, I do think, though, that that's a healthy way to go about it. You always want to remind people that you exist, that you're out there, that you're doing good stuff. And... Um, you know, uh, and I find that a lot of people who aren't in the habit of it are afraid to email editors that they don't know personally or, you know, that they just don't want to cold, well, I guess, whatever the, uh, you know, the email equivalent of cold calling. 
Um, and I find that's a stigma that you need to do away with pretty soon because, I mean, like, an editor's job is to hire people. To, like, you know, they're they got to find they got to find bodies to 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 staff books with. So, mm. you know, if you're putting your work in front of them and they like it, like you're doing them a favor. And I mean, I've never had an editor. I, I've wrote, I you know, I've contacted many editors out of the blue without an introduction, without a reference. Just hey, I'm so and so. I'm uh, you know, I'm interested in doing work for you guys and so on. And here are some samples that I think you should look at, and hopefully you consider me. I've never ever got once got a rude or negative response. Like there's absolutely nothing to be afraid of. At the very worst, you're going to hear is, you know, thanks for this. We don't have anything right now. Um, And, you know, just, and that's totally cool. You got a reply. That's awesome. Believe me, it's, it's far more nerve wracking to receive no reply. Um, Mm. So hearing, hearing from somebody is always good news and just keep plugging away at it. You know, like, and I would also say, don't wait for anybody to give you work either. You know, I find that sometimes I've heard from, from up and coming artists, that are trying to build their portfolio think that they need an assignment in order to draw pages and you know nothing could be further from the truth just draw some stuff you know uh, write yourself a simple you know four page story five page story something that you know hits all of the fundamentals of comic book storytelling and and show them that and um but anyway i'm you know don't want to get lost in the weeds here i would say that what's key is um you know, just being consistent with keeping in touch with your contacts, uh, keeping everybody appraised of what you're up to and saying, you know, like letting people know what you're, if you have an idea of what your schedule will be like and you're, you might, you know, you know that you might want to find work in six to, to seven months or whatever it is, or if you're available currently or whatever, make that clear, you know, let the, let them know what it is, what type of work you're looking for. Just the, just to end off here. Um, we do something on our show, what we call geek picks. It's what we're each week, what we're reading or what we're watching, uh, what we're looking into or listening to. So Adam Gorham, what are you currently digging in the, uh, the reading and, uh, listening to and watching? Uh, so comic wise, I think I, you know, I've been reading immortal Hulk really consistently. Um, I drew six pages in Immortal Hulk 42, which will be coming out in December. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was really cool because I got to work on a book that I thoroughly enjoy as a reader. And I got to work with Al Ewing again, who wrote um, the Rocket series that I got to draw. So I highly recommend people check out Immortal Hulk. Um, and then I've, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I read a ton of stuff. Like I just um, right now I'm actually rereading all new X-Men uh just for fun um it's you know it never hurts to see more work by Stuart Eminem and um that's really something of an education uh tv wise i just finished watching the boys um boys is really terrific it was also kind of fun to to recognize all of the various locales in the gta yeah uh, yeah i mean that was i, I you know what? I went into that show, not really. You know, like I read the first trade of the comic. I knew the I knew the basic premise. I wasn't sure what to expect from the show, and it really delivered. It was, you know, uh, it was it was very very good. 
Um, and uh, let's see. And I've been, you know, movie-wise, like I've actually been watching a lot of, um, you know, the old Universal monster movies recently. Uh, it was just Halloween, and I wanted to kind of watch some kid-friendly scary movies. So all of those movies like Dracula and Frankenstein, I mean, like, they're pretty toothless by today's standards. And it's something, you know, watching them now, is, it's something, you know, there's something of an education on, on, you know, like, it's, you know, it's funny when you know a movie, mostly because of how many times it's referenced, and you are so familiar with that movie without ever actually visiting the text itself. Yeah. Uh, so anyhow, uh you know, my 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 kids are, you know, they're aware of, of these characters and these monsters and and the things about them. But, you know, I thought it'd be fun to actually have them have them watch the the movies. And we also just finished watching um, all of Lost. So it was the first time I've watched it since, uh, you know, its initial run. And um, so that was really fun. Cool. Uh, so if uh, our listeners want to uh, follow you on the various social medias or uh, maybe perhaps uh, get uh, commissions or buy original art from you, where's the best place to find you, Adam? Well, uh, Twitter is um, a place where I'm fairly active. The same thing with Instagram. My handle for both is at Adam T. Gorham. Um, my commission list is currently open, so I'm taking commissions. Uh, I do some pretty nice commissions, and the holiday season is fast approaching, so something to consider there. Um, and uh, you know, like I, I like to engage with with fans if, if you know time permitting and stuff. So you know, everybody's welcome to to find me online and say hi, ask questions, that type of thing. And I also post a ton of art, so even if there's not a dialogue, um, you know, you'll have something interesting to look at. And that was uh, a little bit of a chat with uh, our friend Adam Gorham, who, like I said, I, I'm not sure if he was the first comic guest we had, but he's definitely like one, two, or three. You're so good at these outros. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the radio. <laughs> You'd think he'd maybe done it once or a hundred times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the other cool thing um, that uh, it's, I debate on it because I love Adam. I love his work. But I'm running out of walls for my house. He's we have got a whole a binder of stuff to go on the walls yeah, that we haven't in, put up yet, including including like two things of his. But uh, he just put up on his, uh, I guess it's like a big cartel store, a uh, Godzilla print in like oh. a green and gray like wash of like Godzilla coming out of the ocean, and it's just fantastic. Cool. So that's it for part one of episode 100 because there is more and instead of uploading a six hour file (laughs) i I thought i would split it up into two parts so come back for part two later on this week where we have more interviews and we'll be talking about our favorite geek stuff from 2017 onward because that's when we started the show. So come back and uh, we'll have some more fun in the next part of episode 100 of True North Nerds. Bye. See ya. Thank you for listening to the True North Nerds. You can find us at truenorthnerds.com. 
or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at True North Nerds. To contact one or any of the nerds, you can email them at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. Theme music provided by Kirby Crackle. You can find more of their music at kirbycracklemusic.com. If you like this show, please go to your podcast app of choice and rate and review us. Set your phasers to succeed